0: Church, if you could move to the middle, if there's any seats around you, if you could scooch over so we can have extra room and the ushers are bringing people in, that would be a huge help to us. My name is Matt Mizell. Welcome to Pinion Hills. Good to have you here. We're starting a brand new series today called Take a Number, and it's all about how do we wait on God's timing when we don't like to wait? How do we wait on God's timing? How do we wait? And, and be diligent with that when we hate and loathe waiting. I will say this. Sometimes it, it's a long wait coming into this service because the cars coming in over off of Penny Hills Boulevard. In fact, the 9 o'clock is not as busy as the 1030. So I would say if you don't want to wait coming to church, maybe go to the 9 o'clock. In fact, I'm just going to go ahead and ask some of you, if you would move to the nine o'clock service next week, that would be helpful so we can balance out these two services because it's a wait sometimes to get in and out of the 1030 service because we are growing. And I'm really, really thankful and excited for that. But the reality is that none of us like to wait. Last week, one week ago from today, there was a train that was going from Eugene, Oregon, south down to Los Angeles, California, and along the way, a tree fell on the train track. The train wasn't able to stop in time. They hit the tree. Thankfully, it didn't derail the train, but it did stop the train. So they're stuck pretty much in the middle of nowhere. It begins to snow. They have to get the train or the tree off the train track. And so they begin to get the tree off the track. But by the time they got the tree off the track, it had snowed so much, it had snowed four feet and had basically buried the train. So they're just sitting there waiting, waiting for the snow to melt, waiting for something to happen, waiting for rescuers to perhaps come, and they're running short on on water and on food. There's a town a couple miles away, and they're like, we'd love to bring you water and food, but we can't get to you because the snow is too deep. We can't get vehicles to the train. So the train was just stuck on their own. And meanwhile, while they're stuck, the Amtrak employees were like, you can't even get off the train. Because the snow is so deep outside the train, if we were to lose somebody, that's bad PR. So you can't get off the train. And in fact, it's so cold outside and windy outside, we can't even open the windows on the train. So you got to sit here in this warm, hot, BOE, is that a word, (laughs) train, (laughs) until help comes. Well, over a day later, they're still waiting and waiting and marinating in each other's perfumes and, and colognes. And finally, Amtrak sends a, a, another train from the south and sends it to the north, and it's plowing the tracks as it goes. It cleans off the snow. It comes all the way to the stranded train. It hitch- hitches itself to that train, and they drag that train to safety. And while those people got off, Some of those people that had been on that stranded train had been waiting for over 50 hours. Waiting and waiting and waiting. Talk about one miserable trip. None of us like to wait. When my wife and I moved here to Farmington from San Diego back in July of 2018, about almost eight months ago, when we moved here, one of the first things we knew we had to do, we have to go to the DMV, right? Everybody's gotta go to the DMV when you move to a new town. So we're like, let's go to the DMV. And we were kind of encouraged because in California, you go to the DMV, you take a number, you wait for hours and hours and hours. We're like, we're moving to Farmington, New Mexico. Of course, we're not gonna have to wait in line at the DMV. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I go to the DMV, just on the off chance that we're going to have to wait in line, I go to the DMV, at this time my wife is pregnant, so I was like, you stay at home, I'll go take the number, I'll wait in the line, you don't have to wait, you stay at home in the comfort of our own home, and then when I get to the front of the line, I'll call you, you can just show up and you don't have to wait. And she said, bless you husband, this is why I chose to marry you. (laughs) So I go to the DMV, I pull the number. Uh, I wait, and I wait, and I wait, and after a, a while, a lady calls my number, and so I go to the, the little stand or whatever, the little booth, and I say, okay, I'm here to, uh, to get some, some stuff processed. And she said, well, what exactly can I do for you? How can I serve you? And I was like, oh, this, this lady's kind of nice. This is cool. I Unexpected at the DMV. And I said, well, I need to get a driver's license for myself. Uh, my wife isn't here right now, but she's going to come in a, a moment, and she's going to get her driver's license, and we have to register our van that's in California. We just bought a van in California. And so she's looking at all my paperwork, and she said, well, I've got good news and bad news. I was like, "Mm, what's the good news? She said, well, good news is that you can get your driver's license. I said, what's the bad news? She said, your wife can't. And I'm like, why can my wife not get her driver's license? She said, well, because you're missing the marriage certificate. I'm like, the marriage certificate? What do I need a marriage certificate for? She's like, to prove that your wife married you. (laughs) Oh, so that's how it's going to be, Miss DMV lady. You, you, you're throwing stones at me. You're playing hardball, okay, all right. I thought it was gonna be a very fast meeting, a very fast interaction, because it's Farmington, New Mexico, and it didn't feel fast at all. In fact, it felt a little bit more like that movie Zootopia. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but there's a scene where this, this character goes to the DMV and tries to, in a hurry, tries to get through the DMV. And if you haven't seen it before, I wanted to share this clip with you now. Check out this clip from Zootopia. Well, I was hoping you could run a play for us. We are in a really big hurry. Sure. What's the plate? Two nine T number. Two nine THD 3 three. Two nine THD zero three. T H D zero three. H D zero, Three! D- mm-hmm. zero, three. Zero. three. Mm-hmm. Hey Flash, want to hear a joke? No. Sure. Mm. Okay. What do you call a three-humped camel? I don't know. What do? You call. Ah. Uh, three humped camel. Three humped camel. Pregnant. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 ah. Yes, uh, very funny, very funny. Can we please uh, just focus on the text? Hey. Wait, wait, wait. Priscilla. Yes. Flash. What? <gasps> do. No. You call. A three humped camel. Uh, Pregnant! Okay, great. Three. We got it. Please. Humped. J- <laughs> <laughs> This woman, maybe her name was Flash, is standing or sitting in front of me at the New Mexico DMV, and I'm like, I I need a license for me, for my wife, and for the van, and registration for the van. She's like, well, you can get a driver's license, but your wife can't because of missing marriage certificate. I'm like, with all due respect, woman, ma'am, I went onto the DMV website for New Mexico and gave the list of paperwork. I got this form, this form, this form, this form, proof of address. I got all the stuff that the website says. It doesn't, doesn't say anything about a marriage certificate. She said, well, that's tough luck, isn't it? I'm like, huh. And I'm thinking, I just took a job as a pastor. And I'd like to give you a piece of my mind, but perhaps on the off chance that you happen to go to the church that I'm going to pastor, I'm going to keep the piece of my mind that I would like to give to you to myself. So I leave the line, I call my wife, and I'm like, babe, <clears throat> uh, don't even bother coming to the DMV. You've got to stay at home, you've got to try to dig through the boxes and try to find our marriage certificate that we haven't seen in, what, 10 years? So try to find the marriage certificate. I'll wait in line. Apparently the line I was in was like the triage line. It wasn't even the real line. It was just to make sure you have the right paperwork. And so now I'm in the real line waiting. So I'll wait in this line. You try to find the marriage certificate back home and maybe you'll find the marriage certificate. And by the time you find it, you can still jump back in line with me and we can get our driver's licenses and yeah, it'll be a happy day. So she's digging through boxes, meanwhile I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. Finally they call my number, I go to the, the thing and I'm looking around, my wife's not here, so I get my driver's license, she's still not there, so I go back home. She's still digging through all the boxes trying to find our marriage certificate. We finally find our marriage certificate, but by that point, the DMV had closed. I was like, babe, you got to go back another day for fun times at the NMD DMV. So a couple days go by. She's got her marriage certificate. She's got all the paperwork. She goes back to the DMV, takes a number. She looks at her number. It says 75. She looks up on the wall. It says now serving number 10. She's like, uh-uh, I'm pregnant. I, I ain't going to stick in this, this line and sit here in one of those hard plastic chairs waiting. I'm going to go wait on my couch at home where I'm comfortable since I'm prego. So she goes back home, and she's like, I'm going to wait there. I'm going to burn off a couple hours doing some other things, and then I'll go back to the DMV. So she waits a while, drives back to the DMV, comes back. She's got the ticket number. says 75. She looks up at the now serving window. says number 76. She's like, you know what, I've missed it. So she goes back, takes another number. She's like, I'm just gonna sit here and I'm gonna wait it out until they call me. A Little while later, they they call her and she goes to the front, she brings all the paperwork. They're like, what can we do for you, ma'am? She's like, I need to get a New Mexico driver's license and register the van. They said, well, we have good news and bad news. She's like, well, what's the good news? They said, well, because you brought your marriage certificate, you can get the, the license, the driver's license, but we can't register your van for you. And she's like, why can't you register my van? And they said, well, because you're missing the paperwork. She's like, what kind of paperwork do I need? That's some loud rain, isn't it? <laughs> she said, what kind of paperwork do I need? What am I missing? And, and the lady at the DMV, she said, well, you're missing paperwork for the registration. You need the form 10033 0 ev 29 9 or whatever. And my wife's like, well, can you just give me the form that I need? I'll fill it out right here, right now. She's like, I can't do that. And Ashton's like, why? She's like, because it's a California form. And Ashton's like, okay, well, can I go on to the the DMV website in California, download the form, print it off, fill it out and give it back to you. She's like, no, you can't do that. She's like, why? She's like the DMV person said because they don't release that form to the public. We at the New Mexico DMV have to request it from the California DMV. They will then turn the form over it to us and send us the form at which point we will contact you. We moved here almost eight months ago. And for the last eight months, we've been driving around Farmington, New Mexico with no license tags on the back of our van because we can't get a license plate on the back of our van. People keep coming up to me. They're like, Pastor Matt, do you realize that you're living in sin right now because you have no license plate? like, let me tell you. Let me tell you about what we've had to go through. Now, all that being said, here's the good news. Two days ago, paperwork finally came in. We were finally able to get the license plate on the back of our van. We are finally legal drivers in the state of New Mexico. Thank you. <laughs> we hate waiting, don't we? And I'm not just talking about Ashton and I, my wife and I. I'm talking about we. We hate waiting. And I, I know, I know who you are. I know how you how you work. Because you go to the grocery store, you go to like Walmart or whatever, and you're like, okay, you get to the checkout register, and you're, you got your cart full of stuff, and you're uh, you're analyzing and assessing everybody in front of you in the aisles, right? Or in the checkout aisles. And, and you're looking at the contents inside of their their little basket, because you're like, that person has a lot more stuff. It's going to take a lot more time in that lane compared to this lane. So you're trying to analyze, boop, I choose this one. You get into that because you don't want to wait an extra two minutes more than necessary. You do this at red lights as well. You're pulling up to a red light. You're looking at all the cars that are already stopped in front of you. You're like, which one's fastest? (laughs) Which one's going to cause me the least amount of time to wait? And you pick your car that you think is going to punch it when the light turns green, and 95% of the time, you're wrong. It was the other car. They were faster. We, we are oftentimes trying to trade in our phones and trade in our devices because the new, the new device is faster, it's super quicker, it's like .005 of a second faster than the other model and we're like, I can't take this antiquated model, I can't take this trash anymore, I don't want to wait for it to load, it's that fast instead of that fast, and so I need a new phone. <laughs> so we get frustrated because we don't want to wait. Tax season, unfortunately, is upon us. And some of you have to do your taxes. It's now March. Tax day, April 15th, and if you happen to have to call the IRS for taxes, here's the good news. (laughs) I've understood, I've been told that it's a five-hour wait time. When you call the IRS for whatever your question is, five hours of waiting. And here's what I heard in the news just a a few days ago. When you do call, the IRS is estimated to only get to 50% of the calls that call in every single day. Which means this, you could call the IRS with some sort of question regarding your taxes, you could wait for five hours and then uh, get a a pre-recorded message saying, sorry, we've closed our offices, try again another day. We hate waiting, even in the context of this service. It is, the time is right now 11.02. When it hits 11.30, some of you are going to start popping up out of your chairs and head for the exits because you don't want to wait at the light over there at, at, at Dustin and Pinion Hills Boulevard. You're like, I don't care if the pastor is praying right now. I'm up and out of here because I ain't going to wait any longer than I have to. We hate <laughs> waiting, don't we? And it makes sense that we hate waiting because, because time is money. I've quoted this guy before, Carl Sandburg. This is one of my life quotes that I keep coming back to. I'll read it again. He says, time is the coin of life. It's the only coin you have. And only you can determine how it will be spent. Time is money. It's the coin of life. We don't want to just throw it around. We don't want to waste it. So it makes sense why we don't like to wait. All that being said, here's what the Bible says about waiting. Psalm 2714 says this, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And we, we read a verse like this and we're like, I don't want to. And perhaps... A little bit of waiting is okay, God. I'm, w- I'm willing to wait this much, but I'm not willing to wait a long time. And, and some of us have been waiting and waiting for that promotion or for that raise. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and you hear a verse like this, wait for the Lord, and you're like, I don't want to wait anymore. I have been waiting. I've been paying my dues. I've been doing exactly what I need to do. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and I have nothing to show for it. Some of you perhaps are waiting for a relationship. You're like, man, I, I just want to get married someday. I want, I want a baby. I want a family. I want a family. And I'm not, I'm not getting that. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Oh, it's easy to wait on the Lord, right? But, but I've been waiting for so long for somebody to have a relationship with. Somebody that I can fall in love with and lo- that loves me. And you feel like you've waited long enough. Some of you have been waiting for kids. You're like, we've been trying and trying and trying to have kids. And it's just not happening. And yeah, I'll wait a little while. But why? Why? Why do we have to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait? I don't understand. I don't want to wait anymore. God, I don't want to wait for you any longer. Why is it that God is okay with us waiting and we're not? There's three reasons why I believe that God is okay with us waiting when we are not okay with us waiting. First reason is this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. First reason is this. One of the reasons God is okay with us waiting is this. God is outside of time. God is outside of time of time. Consider this verse from 2 Peter 3.8. It says, do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. God, God is on the outside of time. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. He always was and always will be. He knows our decisions before we're going to make those decisions. He knows the future. He doesn't force us to, to make decisions, but he already knows what we're going to do before we do it. So he's on the outside of time. We are in the constraints of time. We're trying to figure out what's going to happen and what's my future and what's going to take place next. And we're concerned or anxious or nervous about the future. And we don't like to wait. But God's like, I know the big picture, even though you don't. So that's one of the reasons I believe that God is okay with us waiting because he sees the big picture even when we don't. Second reason why God is okay with us waiting. Waiting builds character. Waiting builds character. I can't tell you how many times that people have said something to me like this. um, I don't think that God gives us anything we can't handle. God's never going to give you more than what you can handle. How many times have you heard somebody tell you something like that? How many times have you said that? People tell me that all the time. God's not going to give you more than you can handle. Really? Where do you see that in scripture? Where do you see that in the Bible verse? Because if you think about that logically, why would God say, okay, you've got everything on your own. If, If I can handle everything in my life without needing help from God or from anybody else, what is my need for God? If I can handle everything on my own, why would I be dependent upon God? Why would I have faith in God? Why would I put my hope in God if I can do everything on my own? It's contradictory. That idea that God's never going to give us more than what we can handle, that's contradictory to Scripture. Consider what Jesus said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Jesus says, my power is perfected in weakness. When you are strong or when you are weak, he is strong. When you are deficient, he's able to provide whatever that you're lacking. So when we're waiting, God's okay with us waiting. Why? Because he's building strength in us. He's building character in us while we are waiting. And there's a third reason I believe that God is okay with us waiting, which is this. Number three, God is preparing us for something better. God's preparing us. There's a story in the Bible about a guy named Abram. And Abram was a guy who had faith in God. He loved God. He wanted to honor God. And, and he was a guy that had to learn the hard way about how it was to wait on God. We, we're going to jump into uh, to the Bible in Genesis chapter 12. You can pull out your Bible and follow along or you the version app or you can follow along in the screens. This beginning verse, Genesis 12 starting in verse 2, God is speaking to Abram. Here's what God says to Abram. He says, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you, Abram. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. What a cool statement that is. All the people on earth, Abram, are going to be blessed through you. Yesterday, there was an event here at Pinion Hills Community Church. It was a a bow and arrow type of event. People showed up like in droves. Hundreds of people were in this room. And and everybody was like decked out in camo. Like they were all invisible. They're all decked out in camo. They got arrows and bows and they got binoculars and stuff. And, and up here on the stage, there's like a warthog and there was an elk right here on stage. And over here, there's like a goat. This is all yesterday. They weren't live animals. They were fake animals. But people were walking around like shooting stuff with bows and arrows. Like it was this big event that was going on. And and, and literally, I was I was like in the room wondering, are they going to shoot an arrow through the screen over here? Like what, what damage is going to be caused here? But it was a lot of fun. Hundreds of people from all over the place, not just Farmington, but people from other states came here for this competition but here's the beauty of it they had entry fees and there was raffle tickets they took all the money that they collected from this passion that so many people have for archery and they took all that money and they donated it to one person who's a part of this church who has struggled financially yeah that's awesome how awesome that a a bunch of people can come together and be a blessing to, to one person what a sweet message that is God tells Abram, you're not going to just bless one. You're not going to just bless the people in your town, your village, not just in your country. You are going to be a blessing to all people in all nations. Wow. What an honor. What a significant statement that is. And, and, and if, I'm, if I'm Abram, I'd be like, that's a privilege. That's an honor. Thank you for picking me. Thank you for choosing me, God. But I would also have the question, well, how, how are you going to do that? Because at the time that God told this to Abram, Abram was 75 years old, and his wife Sarai was 65 years old. God, we're getting up in age, like, you know, our family's just the two of us, we don't have kids, we don't have any, any other people in our family, so how are you going to impact all people everywhere in the entire planet Earth? How are you going to impact people, and how am I going to be a blessing to them when it's just my wife and I, and we're getting up in age? So here's what God says, here's the encouragement that he gives to him. Genesis 13, 16. God says to Abram, He says, I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anybody could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. In other words, God is saying to Abram, You're going to have more descendants than you can even count. I'm sure Abram is stoked. I'm, I'm sure he's excited. He's grateful. He's enthusiastic. He's like, even though I'm 75 years old, my wife is 65, I am excited. God said we're going to have offspring. That means we're going to have at least one son, at least one kid, because we're going to have this massive family tree. We're going to have this ability to be able to impact people, to be a blessing all over the world. I'm sure Abram went to Sarai, his wife, and is like, good news, honey. We've wanted a kid. We've wanted a son. God just told me it's going to happen. He promised me it's going to happen. I'm sure He was excited. Until he had to wait. Because right after God told him that, Abram had to wait. And he waited one year, no kids. Two years, no kids. Three years, still no kids. And Abram's, I'm sure, wondering God, did you forget me? Did you forget that promise you made to me? You forget that agreement that you said about us having a kid? What happened, God? Have you abandoned me? Have you left me? Have you forgotten me? I have a daughter, Michaela, she's five years old. She attends the Pinion Hills Academy over here on this other wing of the church. And uh, every day I, I drop her off at school Monday through Friday and, and uh, her kindergarten teachers over there at the academy, they have what's called the boss of the day. And they select one kindergartner who gets to be the boss over the whole class for that particular day, which is awesome because when I was in kindergarten, I think I was like eating glue and stuff. I don't think I was doing anything productive with my life. But I love that our Pinion Hills Academy, they're they're teaching leadership and responsibility at the age of five at kindergarten. I love that. Anyway, so a couple weeks ago, uh, my daughter comes home and she's really excited. She said, Daddy, guess what? I'm like, what, sweetie? She said, tomorrow I get to be the boss of the day. I'm like... That's awesome! I said, what does that mean? What do you get to do? She's like, I don't know. I get to like hand out some papers and goldfish and stickers and stuff like that to other people in the class. I was like, that's so cool. I'm so excited for you to be the boss of the day. I said, I said, what do you think you can do, Michaela, to make everybody in your class, to make their day better? She said, well, why would I do that, Daddy? I said, I know, I know it's hard to understand, but you know, some bosses, when they get to be the boss, sometimes, Michaela, they hold that title over people and they say, I'm the boss. You're going to do what I tell you to do. You have to. You have to submit to my authority. But I said, Michaela, that's not the best way to be, the, be a boss. What Jesus said, Jesus was the boss over his disciples. He was the leader of his disciples. And he said, if you want to be first, be last. If you want to help people and you want to lead people, he said, wash their feet, serve them. So I said, Michaela, you get to be the boss of the day, that's awesome, that's significant. What can you do to serve the other kindergartners in your class? How can you make their day better? She said, well, I have an idea, Daddy. I said, what's your idea? She's like, I want to give donuts to the whole class. I said, I think that sounds like a fantastic idea. I don't think all the parents of your classmates will agree with me, but I think it sounds great. I said, tell you what, Michaela, tomorrow I'll drop you off at school, you get to go be the boss of the day, hand out the goldfish and the stickers and all the other stuff, do that stuff, do the boss stuff, I'll go to the donut store, I'll get donuts, I'll bring them back so you can hand out the donuts to all your classmates. And she said, daddy, you're the best daddy ever. I said, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Don't tell grandpa. <laughs> so, so, I drop her off. She gets out of the car that morning. I'm like, bye boss, have a good day boss. She's like, love you daddy, peace out. She literally says peace out. She goes into the school, goes into her classroom, she gets to be the boss of the day. Meanwhile, I go into a meeting here at the church. And after that meeting, I go to another meeting. After that, I go to another meeting. It's like death by meetings this day. But I'm watching my phone throughout the day. I'm like, I gotta bring donuts before school is over. School's over at 2:30 in the afternoon. I gotta get donuts there before school is out. So about quarter till 2 p.m., I'm like, I'm running out of time. So I, I put all the work that I was doing, I put it away, and I was like, I gotta go to the donut stop shop. So I went down to Dunkin' Donuts off of Main Street. I get a box of those munchkins, you know, those little donut holes, got a box of 50 of them because there's 25 kids in her class each kid can have two donuts and so I'm good got the box go back Uh, I come back to the academy I walk into the academy (coughs) I walk into the academy and I bring in my box and I walk into her classroom I hold up the box and I think she's going to run over and be like daddy you're the best daddy ever I'm holding up the box and I can see her and I can see she's sad and she's frowning and so I wave her over to me and, and I get down on her level I'm like sweetheart why are you sad why are you frowning and she said daddy because I thought you forgot me I'm like, oh, Michaela, I didn't forget you. I'm sorry I didn't get her earlier in the day, but I would not forget you. My yes is my yes. My no is my no. I would not tell you I'm going to do something if I don't follow through. I'm so sorry, sweetie. Will you forgive me? She said, yeah. Can I take the donuts now? <laughs> I'm like, sure, you got it, boss. So I hand her the box of donuts, and she goes around to her classroom and hands out the donuts and lets people pick their donuts. And I left there excited that she got to be the boss of the day, but I was a little discouraged that my daughter thought I forgot her. I was a little disheartened. God had told Abram, hey Abram, I promise to you, you're going to have descendants that you can't even count. And and at that time, Abram was excited. He was was energized. He was stoked on this idea. I I get to impact the world. But then he had to wait and wait and wait. And he's getting discouraged after years and years and years of waiting. And he's getting so discouraged that he's losing hope. He's losing his trust in God. So at one point, God says, hey, you know what, Abram, walk outside of your tent. It's the middle of night. He says, walk out of your tent and look up at the sky. And look at the stars and count them if you possibly can. Count the stars that you see. And Abram looks up to the skies and sees a picture of of galaxies and planets and of beauty. I don't know if you've ever had this opportunity where you get outside of town, there's not the reflection of the city lights, you're in the middle of nowhere, maybe you're camping, maybe you're on a lake, maybe you're by the ocean, maybe you're on vacation, whatever it may be. If you have the opportunity to get out and, and in the middle of the night, look up at the stars in such a beautiful picture of Of galaxies in the cosmos and in this moment as Abram's looking up at the sky looking up at hundreds of millions of stars God whispers to Abraham or Abram and he said so shall your offspring be your offspring's going to outnumber the stars Abram I got you I've promised you I will follow through and I will not follow I I won't drop the ball I won't forget you so Abram Once again, is excited. He's filled with excitement. He's filled with enthusiasm once again. But then he has to wait again. And he waits for another year and another year and another year. And years go by. And in total, total, he waited 10 years. God had first approached him and told him he's going to have offspring when he was 75 years old. When he's 10 years later, a decade later, when he's 85 years old, finally, Abram gave up. On God. Abram's wife came to him. Discouraged. They still don't have a kid. They're still not pregnant. They're both discouraged. And in Genesis 16 verse 1. Now Sarah. Abram's wife. Had borne him no children. But she did have an Egyptian slave. Named Hagar. So Abram's wife said to Abram. The Lord has kept me from having children. I don't know why. I mean he's promised you. Back when you were 75 years old. He said we're going to have a kid. But he's kept me from having children. So go. Sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram agreed to what his wife Sarai said, and in verse 4, he slept with the slave Hagar, and the slave conceived. All this waiting and waiting and waiting, and finally, Abram gave up. Abram had lost hope, he had lost faith, and he had lost trust in God. Truth be told, there are people in this room There are people watching online right now. And you have lost faith, hope, and trust in God. You're like, I've I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for the blessings of God. I've been waiting and I'm getting sick and tired of waiting. Where are you, God? Did you forget me? Did you forget that I'm born? Did did you forget all about me, little old me on planet Earth? Because I've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and I feel like this is still a problem. This is still a concern. I've still got this issue. I'm so sick and tired of waiting. And while I understand that, the encouragement that I want to give to you is the encouragement that God gave to Isaiah. Here's what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 40, 31. He said, those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Here's the message that we're getting from the prophet Isaiah. Even when you're waiting, God is giving you something. He's equipping you, He's preparing you, He's giving you strength, He's building endurance, He's allowing you to grow in perseverance. It's not wasted time. God is doing something in your heart, something in your mind. You are gaining something through this. So even though you're waiting for whatever it is that you're waiting for, don't lose heart. Keep in mind the message that God gave to Joshua when he was waiting in Deuteronomy 31:6. God said to Joshua, He said, Be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, don't be terrified. For the Lord Lord, your God goes with you. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. Somebody in this room needs to hear that message. God has not left you. He has not forsaken you. He has not abandoned you. God is still for you. He is not against you. Don't give up on God. He hasn't given up on you. Somebody needs to hear that message because so oftentimes when we are waiting and waiting and we're waiting, we're like, God must have abandoned us. Maybe I did something wrong. God came to Abram when he was 75 years old and said, you're going to have offspring, you're, you're going to impact the entire world. And he waited 10 years, finally got sick of it, he took matters into his own hands, he decided to sleep with a slave, they had a baby together, but it wasn't God's plan. And from that point forward, still another 14 years took place, and still no baby with, with Abram and his wife. And then finally, when Abram was 99 years old, when he was 99, he, he had first heard from God at 75 about his offspring. 24 years later, after waiting and waiting and waiting, when he's 99 years old, God comes back to him because perhaps that time was the right time. Genesis 17:1, God says to Abram, he says, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and blameless. God says to Abraham, walk, walk before me faithfully and blameless. And if I'm Abram, Abram, I'm thinking that's pretty convicting. Because one, I thought you abandoned me, God, and here you are talking to me. I hadn't been patient in you. but, But two, you tell me to be faithful and blameless. I haven't done that. I took matters into my own hands because I wasn't faithful. Now I'm not blameless before you. I would be sad. I would feel shame and regret. But then God says this in verse two. He says, be faithful and blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. If you're taking notes this morning, you can write this in. When you trust God, you will be blessed. When you place your trust in God, you will be blessed. When you are faithful to God, you will be blessed. When you trust in his perfect timing, you will be blessed. Don't lose heart. Don't lose hope in God's perfect timing. God says, Abram walked before me faithfully and and blameless, and he knew he wasn't faithful. He hadn't been blameless, so he falls down before God. Verse 3, Abram fell face down in shame, in remorse, in regret, falls face down before God, and God spoke to him and said, as for me... This is my covenant with you. I told you when you were 75 once. I told you then 10 years later, twice. And I want to tell you a third time. Here's what he says. You will be the father of many nations. Verse 5. No longer will you be called Abram. You will be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. Abram is laying face down. He's laying face down before God with shame and regret and remorse. And then God says, I have made. That's, That's past tense. I have made you a father of nations. I'm sure he perks up and, like, wait, what? God, you have made me a father of many nations? You've already done that? Little did Abram know when he's laying before God that his wife Sarai was already pregnant with their son Isaac. And less than one year later, they would have their firstborn child together. He was already a father and he was going to be a fa- become a father of many nations. Here's the bottom line. bottom line is God always Follows through. God will always follow through. You might feel like you're drowning. You might feel like God's abandoned you. You might feel like God has left you. We hear verses, and I, and I quote verses like John 10, 10, quite frequently. Here's what Jesus said. He said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they have my, may have life and have it to the full. Perhaps you've heard me preach on that before. You're like, I want a fulfilling life, but where is it? I'm supposed to have a rich and satisfying life. I'm supposed to have a fulfilling life. It was promised from Jesus Christ himself. So where is it? Because I don't feel like my life is worth living. I'm not living a fulfilling life right now. So where is that promise, God? Where, where are you at, God? Have you abandoned me? Have you forsaken me? Have you left me? Have you forgotten about me? No. God always follows through with his promises. He's not going to leave you. He, <coughs> excuse me. He's not going to forsake you. God has not abandoned you. Don't allow that lie. To be planted into your mind. God has not abandoned you. And perhaps you're waiting right now. And you don't understand why. But God hasn't forgotten about you. So while you're waiting. Here's my challenge. My two things that I would challenge you with. Should you be willing to take on this challenge. Number one. Number one is this. While you are waiting. Be faithful and blameless. Before the Lord. Just like he told Abram to be. While you're in this holding pattern, you be faithful. God's not going to abandon you. He's not going to leave you. So you, while you're waiting, be faithful and blameless. And the second thing is this. Wait on God's perfect timing. For whatever the scenario is going on in your life, you be faithful and you be blameless. But you wait on his perfect timing. Because perhaps he's developing something in you right now that you don't even know. Maybe he's building your strength, maybe he's building your perseverance, maybe he's building your character, maybe he's preparing you for what's to come. So while you're waiting, you be faithful to God, you be blameless before him, and wait on his perfect timing. We have a theme verse for this entire series of Take a Number, and it's Galatians 6, 9. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let us not become tired in doing good at the proper time. In God's perfect timing, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Friends, don't give up on God because he has not given up on you.